Hello and welcome to the NDA podcast. It's always Media Thursday with me, Justin Pierce, the editor, and me, Andy Oakes, the publisher. So welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back, Andy. Welcome back, me. We're back for another fantastic year. So nice Christmas, Andy. Uh, beautiful. I ate lots of meat. I drank lots of wine. I successfully uh, managed to speak to my parents. So yeah, all, all went well. All went well. <laughs> very similar. Yeah, the same. It, it did feel like a very normal Christmas, which is, I mean, everything is normal nowadays. But yeah, it did, it did feel pretty, pretty, pretty normal again. But this year already, I mean, it seems like about three months since Christmas, it's only a couple of weeks, but already things have got sort of kind of slow, haven't they? I mean, we were talking to someone recently, a big events company, who said lots of their, their big client events have been put on ice now because because of the, you know, again, uncertainty around restrictions. And uh, I guess I was used to that, but in our last podcast, or one of our many podcasts, talked about events and their importance, them coming back and that sort of stuff. But it seems that they're now going to be, again, sort of held back for a while yeah it's just a false start to 2022 isn't it it, it it'll get better uh, i confidently predict that by the end of the month things will be things will be heading back to normal again well you had it here first and yes predictions always work out for you that's set that time with brexit yeah that's that's a total lie but that's fine uh what else is happening are you doing dry january I am doing dry January. I know you uh, totally don't believe in the concept, but December was a bit of a month. I'm not going to lie; it was a bit of a bit of a month. So I, I, I could do with January off. I believe in the concept, but I tried it once, and it didn't do anything for me at all. I remember. I remember you were very upset that you weren't feeling better after day one, or even day ten or twelve or twenty. It's just a bit of a disappointment all round. So I'm not doing that again. But we're seeing lots of interesting campaigns come out for dry January. Etc. So they you know, always hold some sort of vague, dull excitement for the industry. But again, back to events. As you said, December was quite a one. We did lots of different things in person with different people, and it did feel like it was happening. Uh, Media Tales in-person event. Uh, you said it's been put back a few. Yeah, weeks. the um, their their big predictions event, which was due to be this Friday, depending on when you manage to get this on the site. Um, that has now been put back to the 23rd of February. So they, they're, they're taking the Oaks predictions pretty seriously, giving themselves a month run-up, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, is only wise. But that's always a good event, uh, invitation only. So um, Media Tell, do send us some invites. Exactly. So, again, I suppose, you know, it was only a few weeks. Is it weeks or days since we were last talking on this podcast? But the common theme is still here, and bachelor events, as will always be. I guess the over sort of looming event is, is can that's still there in the back of people's minds and I don't know what what these sort of changes will uh how they change will, will affect people's view on can but I guess everyone's mid planning for can but as we know ourselves it sort of has, has fits and starts. Well there are two things in play here and it's not just what um essential want to do about can it's what the French government will let people do about can. Um as we've seen this week the French government are very very pro hassling the anti-vaxxed um that's an actual phrase uh, quote from macron so you know, if you're not fully vaccinated boosted who knows we could have had a fourth dose by then 
I, I don't, you know, it's going to be problematic getting in. It'll, I suspect a lot of it will come down to whatever the rules are around PCRs and te- various testing regimes about who goes, how long you go for, because no one's going to want to go and then have to isolate for 10 days when they come back. I mean, quite a lot of people do go and have to isolate for 10 days when they come back, but that's just doing some sort of clinic. I don't know how, again, another sort of common perennial, maybe even slightly tedious theme of this podcast is talking about <laughs> back to the office. And again, you know, things seem to be really happening as the year ended. Now things feel a bit ground or halt again. I know lots of people I speak to, uh, uh, you know, across the across the industry now are no longer going back into the office, even though they're sort of their physical environments have been set. I think Publishers have done an amazing job over at White City, as have all the other agency networks. Uh, but th- this sort of reticence in terms of uh, firm guidelines of what's happening, I, even the, the work in the office rule, I think, is, is still a bit blurry. Now, that, I think, is still going to have an impact on this industry. And we all expect to come back to this back to this world this year feeling ever more normal i'm not sure how quickly that'll change but it's definitely it's definitely feeling that we've gone back quite a few steps yeah but it doesn't feel quite so bad at the moment because let's be honest if you're having to get out of bed on a cold wet miserable january morning and go to the office it's a lot worse than getting up an hour later ambling downstairs in your slippers uh, and uh, firing up the laptop it's a bit easier at the moment so i don't think there's quite as much of the the misery about it. Um, although I'm, and I believe you are going to the office tomorrow because. True. I mean, we just have a spiritual need to be there. You have enough home and you have to feel this, this urge for Soho quite a lot, but definitely now. And I think that, well, I, you know, we know from experience that a lot of our team want to be in the office and they don't want to be in their, their houses, especially the younger members of the team. So that'll be a thing. But as I said, I think it's just a false start to the air. I think he'll, you know, Johnson seems to have taken a an, in a differing approach to all the other leaders of the four nations and said, right, let's, you know, let's keep the, put the economy front and centre and maybe not take quite as much as a hard line on the data that others have done. And so, and so I suspect he'll keep going on that and say within two weeks, yep, we'll lift that advice about not working from home. Well, Andy, I'm going to hold you to that. Before this becomes the... NDA political podcast. Let's <laughs> <laughs> move back on to our industry. Just we, this is part, it's not really, but let's say it's part two of our end of the year roundup. This is the end of, this is the start of the look ahead. And last podcast, we, we talked to Gideon at Campaign and Dan at Madfest, sort of looking back at some of the successes in, in the trade media and events. And we all agreed trade media is in such a strong state now. You know, great to see people. Sort of, there's lots of recruiting going on again. You know, jobs are being filled, uh, and we're going to be joined in a minute by the amazing Lynn Lester to talk about talk about events, uh, talk about awards. Sorry, events and awards. She looks after both. Uh, but how, well, how do you think the, the the year started in the in the trade press generally? I think I mean I've seen some great stuff in the drum already. Stuff was obviously put in place the year before, but looking ahead in different sectors. I've seen campaign come out some really strong stories. It was a great story about good stuff getting acquired. So, you know, I think last year, Trade Press got some really strong state. I think they've started with a bang this year. Absolutely. It's nice not to read about the death of the cookie, isn't it? Um, but yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll always read about that. 
uh, and deep down we 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 love it uh yeah really good uh the um the good stuff buyout well done to those guys so, so they were the biggest indie agency mm, i think it is yeah so that's that's a big one for those guys um and i'm really pleased that they're nice guys uh also we saw that adludio had not adludio ad libio have been bought this morning by smarter so that's an again the market is moving MA moving on i spoke uh, in between christmas and new year actually to a, a friend of mine in the MA sector who traditionally hasn't looked at this sector it wasn't an, an area he knew very well but had just had said that it, Due to the amount of deals, due to the amount of money that's in, flowing into the sector, they were they were starting to look at it. And this is I can't say who, but from a you know a big a big well known name into this sort of thing. But they're, they're turning their heads at this sector to towards this sector. So proof that things are booming going and going on. Of course, the other big news we saw just before Christmas was the uh, Microsoft buying of Xander, which was huge. Yeah, huge news. Obviously, Zander's a client of Blue Shark Group, which owns NDA. Uh, I thought it was a good fit. You know, I think we'll see what happens with it. But AT&T seemed like a good fit. But there's been, over the years, over the 20 years or so, you and I have been in this industry, we've seen that the telcos not really do an amazing job of, you know, moving into the digital media marketing space when they really should. You know, telcos are the ones which have the, the big relationships, which have the incredible relationships with consumers. Um but they've never really sort of cracked the space. Perhaps they just don't need to. No, they haven't. And, and there have been some uh, fairly glorious disasters, um, which I'm sure we all remember. It's it's interesting. But I think the, the Zander Microsoft thing looks a good fit. Um, it's not just me seeing it. Uh, Kieran O'Kane, who knows this better than most people, he uh, said he thought it was a good fit. And it was interesting how anyone who was a bit snarky about it, a lot of people said, you know what? Let it happen. This, this is a good fit. Let's let's let this industry move on. Without doubt, without doubt, it's great to see these massive deals take place. Now, I think we are going to be joined any second now by today's special guest. It's the incredible Lynn Lester, who's events director at The Drum. Lynn, hi, how are you doing? Hello, how are you? Well, better seeing you, obviously. It makes obviously. the day so much better, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. So thanks so much for joining us. We were doing, um, we did the end of last year, sort of look back on the year in in trade media and events, talked to Gideon at, at Campaign and Dan at Madfest. And so we thought it'd be great to talk to you about, about awards, really, as something, awards are such, are such an important part of this industry. They are, I would say, the lifeblood of this industry. People love awards, even though they can get, you know, a lot of rubbish coming. We talked about them sometimes, but they're so critical. So how are you seeing the year ahead, 2022? What's your sort of initial thoughts? So I get the crystal ball now. Yeah, I mean, you know, but if I look at the last couple of years, because, you know, when everything sort of went up in smoke, so to speak, you know, we were naturally really worried, as I think everybody was across the board, all the trade press, every organiser. But actually, the last couple of years has probably been the best thing that's ever happened to us from an awards point of view, to be honest. Um, and that's for so many different reasons. One is... It's allowed us to be a lot more inclusive than we've ever been. Geographically, we can reach a far wider audience and actually we can do a lot more justice to the work. So whilst we're not having the big award shows, we can actually really focus on why things are winning and really drill into the sort of detail. Whereas before, you know, you go to a show and it'd be like, oh, the winner is, da, da, da. and it would come on screen and go away as quick as it went up. And you were, everyone's sitting there going, right, get on with it. Come on, next one, next one. And you had no clue really why anything was winning. So 
moving into this year, what we're looking to do is really more of that, really sort of drill into why things are winning, put the spotlight on, on those individuals as well as the companies doing the great work. Yeah, and really sort of understanding it. And, you know, I think from our point of view, the reach that we're gaining and the traction in the market has been really good. So we're very ambitious this year, which means lots of hard work behind the scenes. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And that's really interesting. Do you think awards will go back to the, you know, big West uh, Park Lane hotels, the, uh, the big boozy nights out? Do you think that'll happen again? Do you think people definitely will? Happen? Yeah, it will happen for some organisations. Will it happen for the drum? Oh, I don't know. That's a big question. So for this year, we are definitely looking at digital first. It's worked really well for us. So the way we've sort of worked it is we're really fortunate to have the drum labs, as you guys know. And we've been using that as a sort of production home for our content. So when we're doing these sort of, and it's more TV shows now, if you've noticed, it's not really, it's not a big ceremony or, or just a sort of announcement of names. So, yeah, we're doing it as more of a sort of chat style TV format with a small audience in the drum lab. So when I say a small audience, I mean, I think the most we've had is maybe 40, 50 organisations. So they're, they're kind of hot tickets to get. But what it also means is that we're not, you know, most of our audience are online. So even if you're in London, not everybody in London's there. So actually, you know, we're getting people tuning in from America and you can bring them on screen and you feel the, the sort of, sort of the globalness of what we're doing so I think for us we're probably going to get down more of that route this year other organizations definitely they are going to get into the park lanes and whatever but I think companies are going to be more more skeptical of what they go to and are they willing to spend the money but then there's some people that will be totally up for it we just don't want to make it really costly for people sure Lynn Justin and I have always been hugely complimentary about Drum Labs on this podcast. We talk about yeah, it quite yeah, a bit. It's one of the biggest innovations we've seen in trade media. But uh, some people might not know what the Drum Labs is. So could you tell the listeners why it's such a wonderful thing? I can. So during the first lockdown, we we decided to be quite brave and bold and a bit crazy. And we invested in a building right next door to the Drum offices in Shoreditch. So it's a three-storey building. And it's really about an innovation space of the future. So we have the corner shop, which is looking at, you know, that's working with the Shark Ends and Cat Gemini. And it's looking at how retail will move in the future, what it's going to be like, how you might purchase things, how things are very bespoke and personalised. So that's sort of, that's going on all the time. And then for us, we are using the space multi-purpose. So we're using it from anything from, launches to parties to renting out the space to others and it's just brilliant it's really it's quite a cool if you can imagine with the drum we're quite grassroots anyway so you don't walk in and think wow this is beautiful (laughs) but you walk in and go wow this is really cool and it's how you then bring the magic to life through the the lighting and the sound and and what you do so we've successfully ran a few things in there so it is open to people to to, to rent I guess and also when we do our own things it's nice to have a place and it's nice to have our own bar which is lovely <laughs> yeah <laughs> knowing a few people at the drum I wonder how good an idea that is but we'll, we'll gloss over that <laughs> I love it it's, it's struck me it's space into like people like mother and agency agency that launch sort of shops and stuff and storefronts and that so I love that sort of feeling for that so what what's your general view Lynn looking at the year ahead so you know beyond the drum but at the industry itself obviously we've been through feels like years now but this this weird weird world for a while now it's become quite normal but how are you seeing the industry at large going into terms of especially in terms of the, drum, the drummer's position in it as you know the, the leading title 
Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting market at the moment because given what's happened, I think it's it's forced us not to be lazy. So I think in the past you could pretty much, you know, rest in your laurels, you would do repeat, repeat, repeat and do what you're doing. I actually think it's made everyone, not just the drum, not just the trade press, but every organisation. We've even seen it through our experience awards where, you know, or, you know, brands are really sort of bringing to life experiences. So I actually think what we do now is really outdated. I don't think I do events anymore. I think to look at that is really narrow minded. I think what we do is experiences and it's how we make people feel. So, you know, things like can, I think, will still happen. But I don't think it's going to ever be what it was, but it'll be unique in its own way. So for me, I, you know, personally, I think it's going to be smaller, but you're probably going to have the high octane level of seniority at the event. So I'm calling that an event because it's destination. But, you know, I, I think people are, are a bit more sceptical of what they spend their money on. It's a lot more transparent now. So you can hide the metrics. You know how people engage and, and what they do. And I actually think it's a real you know, ethical way to work. People should be able to be really transparent with what they get in return for their buck. So, you know, I think I think it's going to be probably the most interesting of years because I think some organisations are going to go full steam into the annual life and others are going to be more, I think the majority will be hybrid, but it depends how much emphasis they put in the annual life. And um, for us, we are very aware of how our audience are behaving. So we understand what, what they're engaging with, how what they care about, what they don't care about. And I think it comes down to the quality now of the content and the output. And one sort of final point in that is I personally think people will go to things in real life if there's a sort of selfish benefit. So if there's a big party, if there's a booze catch up with your mates or a non-booze, because I know a lot of people in the industry don't drink anymore, which is awesome. But, you know, I think, you know, for people who, how would I put it, you know, if you want to learn and educate yourself, are you going to go to a room and not network probably not I, I think you could do a lot of that online and virtually and and to get the sort of attention of people virtually is a really it's, it's no mean feat it's hard so it means that people care actually what what they're listening to whereas I think then real life's all about the networking I mean I don't know anybody that networks virtually I like I don't do it I wouldn't expect right. my customers to do it <laughs> networking virtually is soulless experience what, oh, what, like, yeah. what I was to ask you about flexible work again flexible working is and the office is something me and Andy talk about a lot on this podcast. But you, you've kind of, for a long time, worked remotely when the drum moves to London, even though it's offices in Scotland, obviously. So you're used to this thing. Well, I was at Drum Labs yeah. and I used to see you in London. You were there almost every day, it seemed like, even though you were, lived in <laughs> and the drums the drums HQ in Scotland. So how have you seen flexible working evolve, bearing in mind you've always, you've always done this? I've kind of always done it, yeah. I mean, what's, what's really good for me in, in this, it's quite a humble thing. So I'm, you guys know I'm from a very working class background. I still live in the place I grew up. So it was always weird for me to have a global role, but still live that working class lifestyle with my family, my friends. And I, I always sort of promised my parents I would never lose sight of that, no matter how successful I became. So where this has become really nice is actually is normalising that behaviour now. And people are like, well, it doesn't, doesn't matter where you are in the world. I think what it does now is it, it lifts up lots of other questions about geolocated salaries, about the talent versus what you get paid. Um, and it's a big debate. And I don't think any, any one individual that, that sort of agrees with another on it. So, yeah, I mean, I think as long as you can trust your people. I mean, at the drum, we're very fortunate, you know, great leaders, 
And as a leader myself, I would like to think that I'm really trust, trusting upon my team to do the right thing. And I've always kind of, maybe I'm too, I give them too much rope, but you know, I, for me, it's it's about, you know, there's a difference between being a mentor and a, you know, a leader and a manager, you know, you, you get, you can manage someone and micromanage, but it's just really not my style. And it's not really the John style either. So I think for people to have this autonomy is amazing. Where I do think it sort of slips a bit, particularly in Glasgow, because it's more difficult, is the isolation, is not being with other people. And I think that's where we have to work harder to make sure our staff are, are okay and that they're, you know, mindfully and in a good place. What What is the drums policy at the moment, Lynn? Are people coming in if they need? Are the offices open? Yeah, it's really flexible. I mean, that's what I love about it. You know, there's not any, you must be in two days a week or, no, it's, you know, if you want to come in, the space is there, please do. You know, it might be a good idea if you want to come in, connect with your team, get a few people in perhaps, but there is no hard set policy around it. It's pretty much suit yourself. And I actually think, you know, that's why the drum in the last couple of years, I think it's done so well because they have really trusted their people and everybody's sort of seen that, taken it by the sort of scruff of the neck and really worked their asses off, I guess. So then, listen, as you, before we finish off, uh, I guess everyone wants to know, really, you run so many amazing awards. What's your, how can people... What's the best way of winning a drum award? You know, and I know you do lots of work on this, but just people listening, what's the best way they can ensure that they win if they're thinking to enter at the moment? Yeah, okay. So the thing to remember is the drum awards, we see that as one awards programme with various competitions within it, and it's how we treat the work. So for for me, you know, what I'd say is A, we've done we've done quite a lot of webinars around this. So get in touch and you hit me up and I'll, I'll give you the links to, to check it out. And if not, you can you can Google it online. But, you know, I would say the sort of main things would be the storytelling. It's how you, it's, it's what you see and how you say it. Often people ramble on and on. And it's, it's just like brevity, get to the point, talking factual stats, not, you know, wild percentage increases. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Um, I think also it's, it's not assuming people understand the jargon either. So we, we have a lot of judges that, you know, have come from different parts of the market and these acronyms and things that just confuse the life out of people just speak like a normal human in English, preferably. And yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's really quite hard at the moment is there's so much brilliant work out there that not everything can win. So I would sort of suggest that's why we're changing our awards show so you can understand why they're, they're winning. So I would check out some of the awards and actually look at the shows because you'll be able to understand why things are winning. And we're doing case studies and all the work as well. So, yeah, I think you just have to have a really good, compelling story. Unfortunately, not everything can win. It's harder to win them now. And Lynn, do you want to finally put to bed, you know, we hear this a lot from people who have never worked an awards ceremony in their life, that it's, uh, you can pay to win an award. Put it to, go on, kill that one for me. You know, it's so not true. Do you know, know. when we we started working in Asia, people thought you could actually pay to win an award. I was once bribed, or I wasn't bribed because I didn't take the bribe. But There's someone, a revelation tried to, someone tried to bribe me once. Um, basically, they said years ago, you know, we spend a lot of money with the drum, you know, and it'd be very unfortunate if we, if we didn't win. And I had to just say, are you trying to bribe me? And I said, well, you know what you can do with your money? So, no, it is 100% not true. I think it would completely destroy your integrity um, and you cannot win. And it doesn't matter if you're a winner, you know, whether you judged it, sponsored it, you don't get anywhere near that category. So, if you if you think it's a cheats game, then you you must think the jury's cheat because um, they're very credible people who would not put their their sort of neck in line. Excellent, but what is Hopefully the figure? That it. What is the figure that you would you know you think about it? How how high have we got to go? Well, do you know what? Let's just have a side chat when we come off here. <laughs> come off here. <laughs> oh, that's fair. 
I think that's fair. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. That was great. And a great little insight into how people can actually win the Drum Awards. Very highly coveted. So, Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. Great to see you, Lynn. Very soon in person. Thank you. All right. See you soon. Catch up soon. Bye bye. Well, amazing to see the incredible Lynn Lester in person. I mean, in Zoom person, but that's personal. And yeah, lovely question to Lynn about how is it all a lie that awards are fixing both of That is a total lie. So, looking ahead, the week ahead, we're going to stop us tonight. It's very exciting. I suppose it does feel like, beyond all the highly political chat, the industry is just sort of a bit in, in hibernation mode still. And we're going to burst out awake, fresh, revitalised. In full colour from next We week. are, except the ones who got COVID. We don't mention them. We don't mention them. I've never had COVID ever. Well, yes, but I was sitting, I was on a call this morning with someone you sat next to in a bar in Soho. <laughs> uh, you were hugging and uh, your, your usual uh, effusive self. And how you didn't catch it. I think I'm just, her, I'm just, I'm just I, immune. Well, it doesn't do an awful lot for the uh, theory that you are a vampire. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you're also <laughs> immune system won't let it kick in. We're all scared about that. But anyway, let's finish up. Be back next week with more fun and frivolity about digital media marketing. So just remember to say thank you so much for listening. And it's goodbye from me, Justin Pierce, and goodbye from me, Andy Oakes. Thanks so much. See you next week. <laughs>